What's up, Black and Yellow Nation? It's your girl, Alana. Jackie and I will be back next week with a hot new episode. But until then, enjoy this oldie but goodie from the Black and Yellow archives. Stay safe, stay woke, and we'll chat next week. Hey, it's Alana. And Jacqueline over here. And we are bringing you another installment of Black and Yellow. Yay. And today we're talking about a myth, a super messy myth that's known as the model minority myth. Or it's also been known as the the Asian advantage myth. However, I think that's a bit of a misnomer. So Jackie, if I were to say to you that all Asian people are successful and smart and work really hard and are self-starters... What would you say? I would say that that is true. (laughs) (laughs) Then you would definitely be feeding into this model minority myth. For those of you who haven't heard of this myth, um, maybe you have heard of it if you've taken race and ethnicity classes in college. Uh, Maybe if you went to a super evolved high school, you've probably heard of it as well. But if you haven't heard of it, the model minority myth is described as a demographic group whether based on race, ethnicity, or religion, whose members are perceived to achieve a higher degree of socioeconomic success than the population average. This success is typically measured relatively by income, education, low criminality rates, and high family and marital stability. Take that in for a second. So basically, in a nutshell, what this myth is saying is Asian people are essentially uh, bred for success because they work hard, they value education, they come from two-parent households as opposed to one, they do not litter our jails, and they're super smart. So then they go on to great jobs, we think. Right. I think... I think there is, it's a lot more complex than that. Mm -hmm. uh, Hearing that from you brings a lot of truth to my ears, but I think at the same time, there's a lot of, a lot of things that they don't touch on, you know, the poverty level of, of Asians in this country and a lot of single moms and definitely just the struggles in that. I think they, they take the statistics and, you know, they simply, uh, (laughs) <laughs> degree can be a little skewed to to fulfill whatever their purpose is and whatever their agenda is right you know for sure it's it sounds like you're saying either dissonance or survival right we gotta pick one right i think the problem straight off the bat is uh when we say quote all asian people are successful or are made for success what we're talking about here in the United States specifically, we're talking about Chinese, Japanese, Koreans, and Thais. Those are the, quote, all Asians that we're discussing. However, the stereotype totally overlooks Western Asia or Southern Asian populations like Cambodians, Laotians, Bhutanese, and Filipinos. I said Thai, but they are viewed as successful. This critical oversight of the stereotype totally leaves out... Asian populations that face a high degree of poverty, specifically like Cambodians, Laotians, and Bhutanese people. So basically, to say all Asian people are successful, you're lumping all Asian people into one totally monolithic group and negating the fact that there are 48 
Asian countries. Right. And the Asian American population is not strictly just Chinese, right. Japanese, and Korean. And exactly. So on. I mean, there is a lot of different types of Asian Americans. And I think when they group it, at, you know, as mm-hmm. that, it's, it's, it's just not fair. Yeah, definitely. I totally hear what you're saying. And I think it's worth noting that the reason that this this concept is controversial as opposed to complementary is because it's been historically used to suggest that there is no need for government action to adjust for socioeconomic disparities between racial groups. In essence, we don't have to adjust. Look at these Asian people. They're self-sufficient. They're smart. They make a lot of money. They come from strong households. Hey, black and Mexican people, just be like Asian people. And the whole world will be great um and that's just not (laughs) that's not kosher (laughs) at all um and the it's worth noting also that the concept is heavily associated with u.s culture correct the model minority myth doesn't really exist outside of the u.s which i find quite fascinating i think it has a lot to do with the amount of asians that have immigrated into the u.s agreed and and indians and you know all of them if you want to just put that all together uh you know there's that won't happen in china because we're all they're all asian already over there so (laughs) that's not possible uh but it just it's interesting to me that there's such an emphasis on what that is the asian advantage and and that it seems to be such a big deal and i think for me personally because i am chinese i i sort of grew up with that right and I didn't like when I first heard about it, I was like, this is so interesting. What does this even mean? And Mm -hmm. then I thought, oh, I know I've lived with this my whole life. Right. And maybe just didn't put a name to it. Right. There was no statistics or numbers. So it was just something that I knew that it was a standard I had to live up to. Uh, Ah. We had to get straight A's. B's were not acceptable. And, And and to be honest and completely being truthful here my mom never really instilled it i just i almost just learned it through schooling and through my fellow uh friends you know knowing that oh all my friends got a's so i need to get a's wow it wasn't even my my mother necessarily being you know you need to be this and you need to be that Um, it was just a cultural pressure that you felt from day one of your academic career so absolutely that's so interesting yes. i would have never survived in your house because if i got a c in a math or a science class my parents were like well thank god you didn't fail yeah no so. that was not acceptable and we used to have conversations growing up with my friends about how'd you do on that test oh i got a 90 oh my gosh i got a 92 you know it was such oh. a, a slight <laughs> slight difference and it made it made a big it was a big deal i mean and it still is Interesting, because on the flip side of that, if I ever talked to my friends about test taking and how'd you do, it was always like, man, that test was hard. What about for you? Yep. Just hope I didn't fail. I used to do uh, a lot of like kids' homeworks. They would ask me to do homework. My brother used to get paid to write essays for his white friends. You touched on that in our first episode. Where were you when I was in school? (laughs) (laughs) Why weren't you helping me with my tests? (laughs) I know, I know. I would have made you pass, that's for sure. Thank goodness. But but oh. that, but that's interesting to me that that as we grow up and you know we enter college and then go into the working world that it, it's it's still there you yeah. know and in it whatever position away. you apply to and it's not a very good feeling to ha- to live with that pressure constantly there knowing that 
that if you don't, that you will get reprimanded by who, right? Right, exactly. But it's interesting that even though it's not a good feeling, it still persists. Absolutely. Do you know what I mean? Whether or not you're in school or you've graduated from school and you're going on into the workforce, that pressure still is there. It's even there socially. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? The idea that like Asian people don't make waves and don't rock the boat and take what treatment they are given that's still there and it's almost like yeah well you're asian so you should just deal with it because this is how it is which right. is incredibly effed up on so many levels right and that's culturally too you know especially on the on the female side of us being more submissive more you know we obey we clean the house we cook we don't go out there and follow our dreams and you know do all that stuff and it bleeds into certain groups and women and and it's it's fascinating i mean well, that's, that's why you're here. This. Yeah. Because now this, we're going to we're gonna tell you how this myth is bullshit. Right. So just to be clear, uh, just to put it in a nutshell before we go into the history of it, essentially, as complimentary as this myth may sound, uh, it sounds like, oh, you know, Asian people, they're smart, they're self-sufficient, they come from good households, they focus on education, they're self-starters. I know it sounds really complimentary. But in reality, when this myth was forming, the, the myth itself wasn't coined until the 60s, but when it was forming, it was less a it was less predicated on the successes of Asian people because at that time, Asian people in the United States didn't have a lot of success. It was more a ploy to keep black people and Mexican people in their place, essentially saying, hey, darkies and beaners look at these asian people they're not making waves they come from strong family households they don't pop out kids recklessly they focus on education they don't do drugs and litter our jails and they take whatever treatment we give to them regardless of how humane or inhumane respectful or disrespectful it may be just be like them take a page out of their book why and then we'd all just be great is that so hard right that's essentially what this myth is saying yes Whew, that's a lot that's a mouthful that's a lot to take in <laughs> um and as you know like black people definitely were like nah we got the civil rights movement we're gonna like fight for our own rights mexican people were the exact same way um so word up to those two cultural groups yes right and i for your rights. and i think there is something to say how you know we 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 don't we don't there is no like asian american revolution fight for our rights kind of thing because, which is crazy yeah and and i don't know maybe if more asians spoke up about this while this is all forming as articles were being written during that time and being coined i don't know maybe it could be different or would be different i mean other people could say that that's something that maybe you shouldn't have to fight for but if if there, I mean, and you, we see that now articles being written against, you know, Asian Americans specifically writing against this model minority myth, right? Which I find fascinating that finally in this day and age there are people, especially Asian Americans, that are speaking up and saying, "Hey, this isn't cool," you yeah. know, just just stop it, like drop it, because we're just like you. I mean, I know plenty of Asian Americans that aren't doctors, aren't lawyers, that were, you know, got straight f's in schools you know like there we also have that side there are some of us that aren't that bright aren't that smart don't care to be amazing in everything we do and strive to be the best and learn five languages and you know there there's part of that as well and i think a jackie is saying that she knows some dumb asians is that what you're, you're saying but not saying it i'll Possibly. say it for you girl <laughs> but you know it's it's 
it's just it seems that it's take it's being taken to this whole new light where where we're all this one way and that if we're not it's not acceptable and i think the problem is is that as kids are growing up even i experienced it even and thank god i didn't really have the pressure of that in my household i experienced it just growing up around a predominantly asian community so i can't imagine if not only do you have that around in your surroundings but in your household if you have older brothers and sisters that have gone to yale and have a phd how much pressure that is and what if you're just a little kid that wants to take pictures or be an artist or what if you have a little Jackie and she just wants to create for the rest of her life (laughs) you know maybe that's that's not something that that they want to be great at and having that pressure especially growing up can be detrimental you know they might end up pursuing a career and being three hundred thousand dollars in debt after medical school and realizing that hey this is not what i want this is this is this has all been a waste of time of life whatever it may be but they still have to pay back that three hundred thousand in school tuition i'm sure in a career field that they are totally miserable in. exactly and because of this pressure they may not speak up as they're growing up they may not ask for help they may not seek any kind of um, assistance or any any form of saying hey you know I don't I don't want to do this I'm okay with getting C's can you just you know let me be <laughs> what, what do you think would happen if if an, an Asian American kid who didn't want who didn't strive for a career in a in um uh, highly, highly academic field yeah like what what do you think would happen well i mean you know they roughly around that time you know in high school you're graduating or as you're figuring out what you want to do i think there's a lot of pressure to you know hey oh all your best friends want to become doctors and of course you maybe want to become a doctor you're not gonna you know say no or, or you're not gonna express exactly how you're feeling because i know a couple friends of mine that were like that oh. um I think it, it they have to be really brave and courageous to to decide to not want to pursue that and whether whatever consequences or prices they have to pay. I know a lot of friends of mine or just stories I've heard where parents, you know, um, not necessarily disowned them, but, you know, went through a rough patch with their parents because their parents didn't approve of them not going to college. Their parents didn't approve oh. of them not choosing to become a lawyer or a doctor, you know, and and that affected their relationship. Uh, mother father child parent uh, relationship and wow that that that's it's painful for me to hear that and if they if they have to go through that and i hope that they they you know they have some growth and pain and heal and all that stuff um and they can have a stronger bond after they've sort of overcome that hurdle Mm -hmm. but it just it's 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 sad sad it makes me sad that that's something that they even still have to go through in today's world. Does yeah, that make sense? Definitely. Yeah, I mean, college was a non-option for me. Like, my parents basically told me from day one, you will be going to college. Do not even think there's another option. Trade schools don't trade schools don't count, which is mm. so sad, because trade schools, there's a lot of money to be made in trades. Right. Um, but this idea that there's, there's, there's a possible disownership yes, that might happen. Absolutely. And uh, very possible. It, and more than likely, it'll happen if you decide to go against your parents' wishes. Wow. Yeah. 
that's that's and we're talking i mean here you guys you know we are talking extremes you know we're talking about of course because we are tackling this myth but we are talking i mean i'm sure there's a lot of loving parents that would support their kids in any way shape or form but the extremes that that still exist and that this myth sort of not only perpetuates that but it shines the light on that that's what we have to be and that's, there's a lot of levity there i like had an image of, of of an asian man for some reason just pop into my head having to tell his parents like hey i don't want to go to college and by the way i'm gay like, yeah absolutely you know what I mean? not like, only like, that like, but you're gay yeah exactly like the, that sort of levity of conversation i i don't know if i've ever had a conversation like, I, I mean, that heavy with my parents before i am so grateful that i've never had to go on, go through something like that but i can't even imagine how painful the struggles you go through because oh, it doesn't God. just start doesn't just you know it starts as as a child when you're growing up yeah because you start feeling all that stuff pretty young you know true if you ask anyone who who decided to out themselves to their parents they didn't just decide they were gonna do that on the spot you know they were probably thinking about it since they were 10 or 12 true you know even younger Wow. Okay. But getting sorry. Getting off topic. We are. We are. We're <laughs> the back. This Reel hypothetical Reel person in. in my head. Um, <laughs> so there is some history tied to the model minority myth. Like I said before, the to- the coin was termed. The term was coined <laughs> in the sixties, but there are roots of it going back to the Cold War, which is where I think the 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 bare bones of the myth began. Am I right? Yes. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, essentially you know the they 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 the chinese exclusion act came in to sort of not allow any more chinese to immigrate because we were working and we were working well and so the american workers started complaining mm-hmm. that we were I guess you could say working too good, whatever that means. The the premature fears of the quote unquote Asian invasion. Yes. And that we would ultimately steal their jobs and that could lead to something else and so on and so forth. And that was very threatening to the white people and not okay. And therefore, uh, you know, whoever the president was at that time, I can't remember, was pressured to form this Chinese Exclusion Act and forbidden any Chinese people to immigrate to the U.S. for a while until I think it got repealed um, maybe a decade later or something. I believe that that was when it got repealed. And even when uh, Asian immigrants were allowed to immigrate here, it's worth noting they were not living in great situations. Yeah, Um, absolutely. Those that immigrated to California, they lived essentially where what is now Union Station is. They lived essentially in ghettos. They lived in really unclean, unsanitary environments that for me from my standpoint uh don't necessarily uh, allow someone to succeed but nonetheless they did right and they formed their own businesses and they essentially like turned to their within their own communities to help each other build up starting asian businesses asian schools uh restaurants restaurants yeah basically building from within their own essentially saying white america doesn't get us so we but we get ourselves and we can help each other grow right so let's do it which is super beautiful and i think that any racial group can take a page out of out of the asian american uh trajectory on that one i agree In the 60s, however, in 1966, the term was officially coined by the New York Times sociologist William Peterson. 
to describe Asian Americans as ethnic minorities who, despite marginalization, we just talked about it, have achieved success in the U.S. Uh, he had an essay titled Success Story Japanese American Style. And he wow. states that Japan, right? Oh, God. <laughs> right? And he states that Japanese Americans are successful due to their strong work ethics, focus on education, and strong family values. It is these attributes that prevent them from becoming a problem minority. Okay, Shade, we see you, William Peterson. (laughs) Stop talking about blacks and Latinos like that. We got you, homie. Um, And then throughout the 80s, major U.S. magazine publications and newspapers printed stories about Asian successes, but printed very few stories about African-American successes, Latino successes, or African successes. So already right there, the deck is stacked against black and latino and african not to be confused with african-americans um the deck was already stacked so you had major publications running these stories of asian success and very few of african-americans the assumption there being well obviously asian americans are having more success than black people again this model minority myth take a page out of their book right so i know i mean what i what i get from that is does you know, and and is that what they're saying that we're better than you guys? In in what source? You know, right. and and that to me just isn't. If that's the way to do it, then do it very constructively. You know, instill these things in. If if they wanted to, uh, sort of have the African American and the Latinos take a page from from the book, then then do it a little bit more. I don't think they care to be PC. They didn't really care. I don't don't think they care to be PC. Yeah. (laughs) I don't think so. I think they liked an an Asian-American success story. I think that Asian people by that time were not as troublesome. Sure. Because because you guys weren't fighting for rights the way that blacks and Latinos were. So we were viewed as problem children, problem minority. Causing noise and stirring up trouble, whatever that means. How dare we cause noise? How dare we do that? How dare we fight for our rights? Though it is worth mentioning that throughout the 70s and 80s, there were scholars who were taking on and challenging this stereotype. B. Suzuki, uh, who was excuse me, a sociologist published an article entitled Education and Socialization of Asian Americans, a revisionist analysis of the model minority thesis. And he disagrees with the way that Asians are portrayed in the media, explaining that the the socio-historical background and the contemporary social system conflicted with the stereotype. Mm, So in essence, what was being published was a a nice uh, PC sort of safe for white Americans version uh, of the successes of Asian Americans. I see. But he himself is like, well, hold on a second. No, no, no. You're completely eradicating this ugly part of what our successes were. Right. This fact that we have to downplay our Asian-ness right. to succeed in white America, which is detrimental to one's soul. Do you know what right. I mean? Yeah. Um, which I thought was fascinating, but good on B. Suzuki for for stepping up and yeah. being like, "Look, it's not all as it's, it's not, not fine all and candy, dandy. And cupcakes and roses over right. here. There's we had to struggle of, too." Absolutely, I agree. So, so yeah, and so since the creation of the model minority myth, Asian Americans have far succeeded, sorry, have far exceeded white Americans in terms of education as well as other ethnic and racial groups. Uh, Asian American society, as of twenty twelve. 
states that Asian Americans as a whole have obtained the highest educational attainment level and median household income of any other racial group, which I thought was actually quite fascinating. Yeah, it's uh, if you look at the numbers, it's it's true. It is. Um, Definitely. Definitely. But I still think that if you take a white person's let's say they just graduated, they want to get into some prestigious college you know, Asians have to have a higher GPA, better letters of recommendations. True. They have to have everything more and better than than someone who's white. And why is that? You know, right. if, if we're so amazing, like you guys keep saying, right. then why do we have to have that? And that, that I don't think that's fair. And know? I think that that's where the myth really comes into play, because it seems like white America is saying Asians are so great. But there is this fear of, quote, the Asian invasion, that yeah, Asian people are going to come to the United States and completely take over. And you mentioned numbers a second ago. So let's just like put some some numbers to this. Asian Americans make up 5.4% of the U.S. population as opposed to whites who make up 77.4%. So already right there, like... <laughs> done. It's over. Mic drop. <laughs> done. If anyone's worried about an Asian invasion... Calm down. Uh, no, you're talking about 17.2 million Asian Americans to 246.8 white Americans. Calm down. Take a seat. Everything will be okay. Everything is going to be okay. <laughs> like, Asians are not taking over. These are factual numbers as of 2016. Um, and just, just to throw Unless in, we had like a billion that just immigrated within the last year, but that's not possible. I guess you guys just started like <laughs> screwing like rabbits right? and just popped out. Cause that's out. what we're known for, of you know. Of course, definitely. Like <laughs> Asian men, all the sex. you know, they're, they're not desexualized <laughs> right. and they're are, aggressive yeah. and manly. Of, you know, there you go. Um, and just to, to, to round out this, this talk of facts and figures, black people make up, uh, 13.2% of the population and Latinos make up for 17.4% of our American population. So Asian people, by and large, are still very low on the the population Um, spectrum. So So the fact that there is this fear that we are going to come and invade and and take over everything is it's just you know it's it's fear definitely and it's you know it's the white agenda trying <laughs> to sure. pin us up against each other pin something up against whoever to make it seem like we are invading and i don't i don't think that's true the asians um, are coming the ah! asians are coming the food's going to be better the asians are coming um, <laughs> Um, and, and if we're talking about immigration law for one quick second before we move on, it's worth noting that immigration law favors highly educated, highly skilled immigrants, specifically from Asian countries. So know that when you're talking about the Asian invasion, part of that's our U.S. immigration law. The government. So it's so, but yet, but yet they have such attention on, on the fact that we are so, I mean, if that's what they want to call invading their land. So it's so, it just... It doesn't make sense. Yeah, but let us not forget that the immigration law is essentially a benefit and uh, to capitalist and the interest of enhancing white eco- white American economy. Right. So what there do you, you want? go. Exactly. Yeah. Do you want us? Do you want us to come here or not to come here? But you obviously do want us to come here because right. we benefit your land and your government and your schools and your countries. But then you don't want us to do that. I don't know. I think they're fine with you guys coming here, but they don't want you fighting.
fighting for rights. Right. They don't want you making waves. I, hello, Jackie. Don't you know that, like, as a model minority, you have to be passive and weak? You can't, oh, like, fight for rights? Right. I forgot. <sighs> just, just a reminder. That's why I'm here. Ugh. Eye roll. <laughs> um, yes. So, so going forward, the Asian, the model minority myth definitely can play on an Asian American starting in school and going up up into adulthood for sure. Yeah, definitely. Asian American students by and large are one of the racial groups in schools that report less numbers of students coming in and looking for extra, extra, extra curricular assistance say that 10 times fast um essentially the asian americans come in for less tutoring sessions if they're struggling in a subject in school they're less likely to bring forth learning disabilities because there's a fear that they won't get adequate help or that it'll just be brushed aside like oh well you're smart you'll figure it out yeah you can do it you'll grow out of this dyslexia right you know what i mean we gotta you'll put just our learn algebra too and then like you know a week of course right. yeah because yeah. that's that's how it is in your right. household yeah uh which i think is super sad i couldn't it imagine is. it breaks my heart right i couldn't imagine being in that time of life and feeling like i can't come forward and ask for help either on an academic level or on a racial level. Mm-hmm. I agree. More Asian American kids than any other racial group in school do not report harassment or any sort of racial episodes. So, again, here's this model minority so myth. Asians don't make waves, but when they face racism, where do they go? Right. And I think because of that, they we can be, or I'm sure there are some experiences where we, we do feel less equipped to how to approach or combat that or right. come back with something and and that that's not very good you that's know? terrible yeah so on the other side i'm like oh i'm a black woman i experienced racism in high school and college like i'm saying something right you know what i mean yeah and i guess in those moments i didn't realize like hey asian people face the exact same amount if not more racism and don't feel comfortable stepping up and saying something so yeah because that's just not okay apparently apparently it's not right. okay Going forward, Going forward, then, once we're out of school and into the work field, Asian Americans definitely are more uh, hired in lower, I guess, st- like entry-level managerial positions, right. mid-level managerial positions, and we'll say upper to mid-level managerial positions. But if you're trying to get to that, that upper echelon, that really successful tier, CEO, COO, right. Head Asian of any American, company. Head of a company. Uh, Asian Americans don't really tend to hit that level. They hit what's called a bamboo ceiling. Because, again, here is this, this model minority myth. Right. You know, people who are CEOs and COOs, are, are, they need to be aggressive, assertive, and forthright. And if you, I mean, if you just look at, you know, politics, right. it's mostly all white people. Definitely. If you look at all the CEO, CEOs of companies, if you look in, in Hollywood, all the big directors, studios, they're all white. Mm-hmm. Um, banking, all of that. All I of mean, it. and so... Any just, Fortune 500 company generally white people are at the top 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 so i think that is a that is a reflection of hey you have this whole myth going on but this is 
also what's going on right. in today's world. Exactly. You're so smart. You have such a focus on education. Yeah. Wouldn't but we're be- not going to let you, you know. No, because you're, you're passive. Right. You're weak. Yeah. And like we can't, we need assertive, aggressive, dare I say, Donald Trumpian types uh, to be heads of business. And no, 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 no. That's not right. you. You're, you're, you're good enough for this, but you're not good enough for this. Right. Even though you may be smarter, have the better qualifications, you know, it's, exactly. it's sad. Yeah. So, yeah. and, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, when I say the bamboo ceiling, I think every racial group has essentially a, a glass ceiling, yes. um, which is basically <laughs> barring certain racial groups from permeating to a top tier level of, um, professionalism, professionalism status. Yeah. Um, And so also the model minority myth plays into politics as well. Asian Americans hold less political office either on a local or national level than any other racial group. Uh, As of the 115th United States Congress, there are only 15 Asian Pacific Americans in the House and three in the Senate. And as you know, if you're not represented, then your rights aren't fought for. Right. You know what that, I mean? There's a direct correlation to that. I, I don't think they we do they do fight for their rights and and that's a really low number to totally. have that only that many people be in 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 any sort of government or position. position. It just goes to show that, you know, it's like we just wanna do our thing and we want to be good at it and just let it that be don't bother us yeah in in a way right absolutely definitely can i ask you a question did you ever feel like there did you ever want to run for you know student government either in high school and college and just feel like no i i i can't do that uh i i wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily say no i don't think i ever felt like i needed to be part of any student government body to let them know or that was just something that i never fell into i mean granted i also went to school with like 98 percent asian so uh, our okay. uh, student elected officials were probably already asian okay got it um, okay perfect so i may not be the right person to ask okay. <laughs> <laughs> but you were covered you were represented and you were covered. yes 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 okay sweet and just to like wrap up this portion um that total so the following marks the total number of asian americans in the u.s congress since 1957 so as of 1957 there have been 33 representatives and nine senators that's insane. Since almost 100 years. It is 2017, y'all. Yes. Crazy. <sighs> so, we just want we we just wanted to bring this myth up and have you guys listen to us about it from a perspective from an Asian American who has experiences, who lives this, who knows what that's like, and someone who's affected by it, Alana right. being black and mm-hmm. knowing that that is something she has to deal with. And we want to know be like you, Jackie. I got to compete with you. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> um, and what you guys, if you guys have any thoughts or if there's anyone out there who completely relates to it, who supports it, who doesn't support it. Um, and just whether you do buy into it or if you don't buy into it, you know. Yeah, reach out. Just, we yeah. want to hear from you. Yeah. You can email us at podcastblackandyellow at gmail.com. We want to hear your thoughts on this, or you can hit us up on our Instagram, which is Black and Yellow Podcast. Yep. We want to hear from you. Does this does the model minority myth affect your life? Has it had any negative or positive connotations? Mm-hmm. Are you someone that really lives the model minority trope, or are you someone who is fighting against it? Right. 
We want to hear from you. Reach out to us. Yes. Well, I think that's it. That's it. Thanks for listening. Let this sink in, y'all, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Bye.